Right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thank you, John. Um, oh, we'll try that again then. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, online. A very warm welcome to each and every one of you. Uh, shall we open with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, once again, it's a joy and a privilege to be together, Heavenly Father, to meet around your word, to ponder upon your word, and also to meet, to support each other, to pray for each other, in the certain knowledge that we are praying to a listening God. We thank you for your gracious blessings to each and every one of us, collectively as a church and individually. And now we ask you, grace with your presence, with it rest of this evening. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now I'll hand over to um, Andrew once again, who is uh, filling in for Pastor this week and next week. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Brian. I think it was three weeks ago, um, I said we'd be looking at some of the untills in prophecy, uh, and uh, uh, three weeks ago we looked at the until regarding Messiah's earthly reign. Uh, I think there are sheets in the, re uh, in the porch with those references on for those who didn't get the first sheet, uh, but as you can see we, we're going to look at the until of Israel's unbelief. I was tempted to, and I, maybe I will give it the subtitle, Israel's Blindness, uh, but I, I've opted for unbelief for a reason, I'll make clearly that. But by way of introduction, we'll read uh, one of the key chapters regarding this, uh, matter of Israel's unbelief, Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, usually the first part uh, of the chapter uh, is familiar. <coughs> Uh, I remember as a boy, doing uh, my parents, I won't mention the church, but uh, they had a lot of students, good students, from Swansea Bible College. But the only two chapters I ever heard spoken on from Isaiah were chapter 6 and chapter 53. And even then, uh, they didn't touch on the last half of Isaiah <coughs> chapter 6, which we will be looking at later. But we read the whole chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, that is Isaiah, uh, saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one seraph cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved, or shook, at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Who is me? For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lord, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, 
sent me. And he said, Go and tell these people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of these people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaken in the midst of the land. But yet in it there shall be a tent, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a tail tree, and as an oak whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. And uh, uh, we'll be looking at the last few verses uh, later, but uh, the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Um, I listed the until passages at the top uh, of the first side, um, and uh, uh, I divided, hopefully, uh, I will get through the three points, I, I divided what I have to say into, into three uh, points for you to see. First of all, we have to look at Israel's corruption, uh, and then God's condemnation, uh, and uh, thirdly, uh, and if we don't cover it tonight, we'll go, it'll be our first point next week, Israel's confession. Uh, but let's have a look at the uh, uh, cause of, of Israel's problems, uh, their corruption. Uh, someone has said and how true it is, nothing ever takes the Lord by surprise. Uh, with him a thousand years is as one day. Uh, and uh, I have in mind particularly the fact that when our Lord was upon earth, the name that was constantly hurled in his face was that by the Pharisees and his enemies was that of Moses. You remember, in, for example, in John chapter 9, the blind man that was healed, uh, uh, the Pharisees, they were so frustrated uh, by the simplicity of that blind man's testimony uh, whether he's a sinner or not, I know not, but one thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. And then later he said, he is a prophet. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the third thing that he said, uh, and he ends up teaching the Pharisees, they, they said to him in frustration, give God the glory, we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Uh, and that went against all logic as far as the blind man was concerned. He said, now we know that God here is not sinners, uh, but if any man be a worshipper of God and serve him, him God heareth. If this man were not of God, said the blind man, he could do nothing. Uh, and uh, he, he almost becomes sarcastic. He says, well, you experts, you don't know who he is, and yet he has opened mine eyes clearly because he has done what no one else uh, has ever done, he must be of God. Uh, and uh, that touched the raw nerve. They said, uh, uh, in anger to that blind man, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Uh, we could spend the whole night uh, uh, going through incidents in our Lord's life where they flung the name of Moses into our Lord's face. Take the woman... Uh, caught in adultery. Moses commanded 
that she should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Uh, and in fact, at the end of John 5, the Lord Jesus in the last verse said, if you believed Moses, you would have believed me because Moses wrote of me. Uh, and why do I say that? Because uh, before, even before Israel crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, it was Moses who prophesied Israel's coming apostasy. Uh, the wisdom of God, the very man that Israel in our Lord's day uh, and in the millennia up to that point, the very man that Israel idolized was the one uh, who testified to their condemnation. Uh, and uh, on the first sheet, uh, not at the very top, in Deuteronomy 4, uh, let's look at the words of Moses, uh, particularly in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 4 verse 25. Uh, this is what Moses says, uh, and it's the last month of his life. He says to the nation, they're still uh, on the east side of Jordan, when thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, uh, this was before it had happened, uh, and make a graven image, or the likeness of anything, and when you shall do evil in the sight of the Lord, uh, thy God to provoke him to anger, uh, and notice verse 26, in fact this is how Isaiah begins his prophecy in chapter 1, but in verse 26, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land, whereunto ye go, over Jordan to possess it, and ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but you shall be utterly destroyed. They were warned that if they uh, worshipped idols in the land that God was going to give them, that the God who had given them that land would uproot them from it. And so it has happened. It's happened twice already. Uh, and I've been in churches where I've astonished people by saying it will happen a third time in the future. But maybe we'll look at that next week. Uh, and notice verse 27 of Deuteronomy uh, 4. The Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left fewer in number among the, the heathen or the nations whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. Uh, and I had to include verse 29, because there is hope for that nation. And we'll look at that later. But if from thence, that is, if in the, in the lands that you are scattered to, if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Uh, and uh, underneath we have Deuteronomy 31. Uh, I was tempted to turn to Deuteronomy 28, but uh, uh, if you have time, and it does take a little bit of time, it's worth reading from Deuteronomy 28 right through to chapter 33. Six chapters, but in those chapters you'll find God said what would happen if Israel obeyed as a nation, what would happen if they disobeyed, and also the, the prophecy that one day uh, they will turn to the Lord in their distress and they will one day uh, uh, 
be blessed by the Lord. Uh, because Deuteronomy 33, the last of those six chapters, uh, has those wonderful words. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, people saved by the Lord, uh, who is thy shield and thy excellency. But in Deuteronomy 31, uh, uh, Moses is uh, only days away from death. Uh, and in verse 16, uh, the Lord said to Moses, speaking of uh, Israel's corruption, uh, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up uh, and go a whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Uh, I'll digress slightly for a moment. Someone has said, one of the proofs that the Bible is the inerrant word of God uh, is when you compare it with the archives or the annals uh, that record the history of other nations. Uh, uh, the warts, so to speak, uh, the blemishes are left out. Uh, I remember, I loved history, I, I studied in school. Uh, but up to all levels, it was called then, uh, before they uh, renamed it uh, uh, GCSEs, uh, you had the impression that every war that Britain participated in, they were in the right. Uh, and the other nations were in the wrong. Uh, what am I saying? That every country slants its history to justify its leaders. It's always the other party that is at fault. But even from a worldly point of view, the Bible isn't like that. The Bible is a Jewish book. And yet, uh, we need uh, to remember that the words we're looking at, which speak of Israel's apostasy and corruption, they were written by Israelites. Uh, in other words, even from that point of view, the Bible commends itself as being a book uh, of integrity, a book that is honestly written. Of course, it's far more than that. It's not just simply a book that's honestly written. It's the inspired, inerrant word of God. But coming back to Deuteronomy 31, verse 16, God says, This people, after your days, Moses, will go whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them. They will forsake me and break my covenant, uh, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them. Uh, I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them. So that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? Uh, uh, and Moses, time and time again, uh, particularly in chapter 32, uh, I've only inc included uh, a couple of verses, but there are 68 verses uh, in that, uh, sorry, no, there are 68 verses in chapter 28. Chapter 32 isn't as long, uh, I think it's uh, over 40 verses, but it speaks details in uh, Israel's sin uh, and what would happen. But uh, I just included verse 20 and verse 21 of Deuteronomy 32. Uh, and he that is the Lord said, I will hide my face from them. <coughs> I will see what their end shall be. They are a very froward generation of children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God, or literally with no gods. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, in other words, for idols. 
Uh, and we've seen that in the series that Pastor's been doing with us on Sunday mornings. Manasseh did worse than the heathen. And Israel did corrupt itself. And God says, I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. You and I are the not a people. Literally, uh, it's no gods. They've moved me to jealousy with no gods. I will move them to jealousy with a no people. Uh, I remember, I think it's not uh, it's the third time that we went to Israel. Uh, we were uh, in Jerusalem uh, and we were going down the steps. Uh, I think it was away from the temple institute. Uh, and there was a, a, a Jewish beggar and he must have had some inkling of who we are and he said, uh, quite peeved, he said, you Christians have stolen uh, uh, our, uh, our scriptures. And in one sense, he was right. He was moved to jealousy because in his eyes, uh, Israel was God's people. We Gentiles were not. Uh, and what right did we have to claim the Jewish scriptures? Uh, but that's an example of being moved to jealousy by a new people. But it wasn't just Moses uh, that pro uh, prophesied uh, of Israel's corruption. Uh, at, the, at the top of the first column, uh, Joshua does the same thing at the end of his days. Uh, uh, the, the human heart uh, is, has always been, always will be, supremely confident of its own righteousness. There's nothing more deceitful than our sinful nature. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and wicked, I've left out the word, desperately, and the word desperately means beyond hope, beyond hope of being changed. Our sinful nature can never ever be changed. If it could be, we wouldn't have needed to be born again and have a new nature uh, which is from above. Uh, and I say that because Joshua is speaking to the generation, not to the generation that came out of Egypt, but to their children. And uh, that's, their, their children said, well, ah, we'll do a better job than our parents. Three times at Mount Sinai, the generation that came out of Egypt said, all that the Lord has said, we will do. If you study uh, those chapters uh, from chapter 19 on, three times he said to Moses, Moses, anything, everything that God has said, we'll accomplish it. And we know what happened. Uh, Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days and they've broken uh, the first two commandments. They've made the golden calf. But the generation that crosses into Canaan the following generation, they're as confident of their righteousness every bit as much as their parents were. Because at the end of Joshua, Joshua 24, three times they say to Joshua, the second generation, uh, the Lord, our God, him we will, we will serve, and his voice we will obey. Uh, and uh, Joshua says, no. You can't serve the Lord. Uh, uh, and they say, no, no, Joshua, we'll do everything. 
uh, uh, that God says. And Joshua said, very well, you make a start by putting away the idols that you've got. Uh, and we know what happened. There was failure. Uh, and in Joshua uh, 20, 23, uh, it's the first passage on the sheet, uh, Joshua uh, repeats to that generation what Moses had said uh, uh, to his generation before uh, he died. Uh, he says uh, in Joshua 23, uh, verse 12, uh, else if he went any wise, go back, that is, uh, from the Lord, and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, uh, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty uh, that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your side, and thorns in your, in your eyes, until ye perish from off the good land which the Lord God hath given you. Uh, they didn't heed Joshua's words. They married, they intermarried with the Canaanites. Uh, and long before Solomon's heart was turned away by foreign wives, uh, uh, the same thing had happened uh, in Israel. And verse 15 says, It shall come to pass, as all good things uh, come upon you, which the Lord uh, your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things, uh, until he have destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Uh, and Joshua warned the people that if they did not adhere uh, wholeheartedly to the law of God, that they would corrupt themselves, and as a result, uh, they would be cast off, uh, out of the land. Uh, and as we see, that did happen. Uh, I should, uh, I should uh, emphasize one point. Uh, coming back to Deuteronomy, uh, the Lord said that he would judge Israel for their corruption in three ways. Uh, uh, and I've underlined some, uh, I've highlighted some of them in yellow on both sides. First, that he would hide his face from them. Secondly, and this is the one that we're going to focus mainly on, that he would judicially blind them. Uh, and thirdly, that he would give them over to their heart's desires. We read from Isaiah uh, uh, 6 for a reason, because that passage speaks of Israel's blindness. Uh, and if we only had that passage, we might misinterpret it, because in Isaiah 6 uh, uh, and in verse 10, the Lord says uh, to the prophet, Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Uh, now, I've heard that preached on uh, in a way that uh, uh, I strongly deprecate, that I, I disagree with. There are those who say that uh, God has decided to elect some for salvation, and elect others for condemnation, and, that, and they will turn to that passage in Isaiah to say, there you are, God deliberately blinds some people so that they will never see the truth and they will be eternally condemned. Now, I do not for one moment accept that view. First of all, 
because it goes against the tenor of scripture and secondly because uh, it misinterprets that passage the Lord never deliberately blinds people who are seeking the truth I'll just read a few verses uh, I, I wish I'd put them on the sheet but they're well known from John 3 uh, the words of the Lord Jesus this is the condemnation verse 19 that light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light why? because their deeds are evil living in the darkness spiritually is a choice men loved darkness rather than light but the Lord Jesus goes on to say, for everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds might may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Uh, but let's come back to Isaiah 6 verse 10. What did the Lord mean when he said to Isaiah, uh, make the heart of his people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears. What God was saying to Isaiah? Isaiah, as a prophet, you've been discouraged. But I want you to keep reproving Israel. I want you to keep preaching and proclaiming what I tell you. The effect of it will be to make Israel harder. The effect of it, the result of it, will be that they'll turn away from the light of your word or my words through you. And if you turn away from the light, you turn in into darkness. God's purpose was not to blind Israel. The result of Isaiah's preaching would be that Israel would be blinded. Not because God wanted that to happen, but because the more faithful Isaiah was, the harder the nation of Israel would become. And that's proof of that. Just go back one chapter. Uh, because pastors uh, uh, emphasize, and I know David Moak is constantly emphasizing it. Read scripture in its context. Uh, it, it's a trite saying, but true nevertheless, that the text taken out of context becomes a pretext. Uh, uh, and Isaiah 6 verse 10 was spoken to the same people that Isaiah is addressing in uh, chapter 5. Uh, we won't read the whole chapter, but notice verse 20 of Isaiah 5. Woe unto them that call good, uh, that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, uh, uh, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. The more that Isaiah gave the word of God, the more this rebellious people mocked and said, absolute folly. We are the ones 
who are wise. We are the ones who have wisdom. And the more that Isaiah prophesied, the harder and the more stubborn the nation became. Uh, they said, Isaiah, we've got the light. We are not going to listen to you. Uh, and the effect of Isaiah's preaching, God knew what would happen, but he didn't, he didn't predestinate it. God knew that the more faithful Isaiah was in giving his word, that the result would be Israel would retreat more and more into the dark. Uh, and uh, I have no doubt that that is the correct interpretation where God says in Isaiah 6 verse 10, make the heart of this people uh, uh, heavy uh, that they may see and not understand. The more Isaiah preached, the more entrenched Israel were in their own self-righteousness and in their own wisdom. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, Isaiah, that verse in Isaiah 6 is probably the most quoted verse in the New Testament after Psalm uh, 110, verse 1. Uh, and notice particularly how Matthew and Paul, uh, and you, you find verses in, in, in columns uh, 4 and 5, notice uh, in Matthew 13, it's in column 4 uh, and 5, when Matthew quotes Isaiah 6, verse 10, uh, and I say it's Matthew, it's the words of the Lord himself. Uh, in them, that is in Israel, in our Lord's day, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye he shall hear and not understand, seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And notice the next words. And their eyes, who's closed their eyes? Not God. It says, their eyes, they have closed. Uh, uh, lest at any time they should see. Uh, God produced the result through Isaiah's preaching. But that was not God's intention. God commands some men. No, he commands all men everywhere to repent. Uh, and notice Paul in Acts 28. He's now in Rome. And uh, he quotes the same passage. Uh, Acts 28. Uh, the words uh, 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 start in verse 25. When they, that is the Jews, agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Uh, uh, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto you, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and not understand, seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And notice the next bit. And their eyes have they closed. Lest uh, 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 they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. The more that Isaiah prophesied, the harder uh, the nation made their hearts. The result of Isaiah's preaching was the hardness, uh, increasing hardness of Israel. But that was never God's purpose. He knew that would happen, 
And what happened in Isaiah's day uh, happened uh, uh, after Calvary. Uh, what was the attitude of the Pharisees towards the Lord Jesus? At the beginning of the Lord's ministry, they were open to the fact. Because Nicodemus, uh, in John 3, comes on behalf of the Pharisees. And what does he say to the Lord? Uh, and he said at the beginning, it's just after the Lord's first Passover. Rabbi, we, not I, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Because no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. But two years later, in Matthew chapter 12, those same Pharisees, what are they saying? They're going against the truth that they recognized at the first Passover, because they said, this man casteth out demons by Beelzebub, the spirit of demons. They had the light. And initially, they were open to the light. But they were offended by much that the Lord said. And they retreated from the light. And if you turn away from the light, there's only one place you can turn to. And that's darkness. Uh, and Israel, nationally, is still in the dark. Now, no pastor has, has mentioned this incident twice. I heard David Moore mention it at least twice, if not three times. The first time we were in Israel, uh, uh, Elaine and I, we went uh, with uh, the party to the Temple Institute. Uh, and the young lady, very, very zealous, uh, was telling us all about the Temple, showing what they, they prepared. Uh, they believed that one day the Messiah will come uh, and reign in that Temple. And the only reason he, has, he hasn't come, according to this young lady, was that the nation doesn't want it. Uh, zealously enough. Uh, and at the end, she asked if he had any questions. And David Moore said, well, uh, Zechariah, he says, mentions that it will be the Messiah that will build the temple of the Lord. So Zechariah does in chapter 6. And we cannot believe her answer. Ah, uh, she said, you, uh, you, you must understand that I am not a Christian. You are quoting from your Christian writings. She said, I am a Jew. She had no idea that Zechariah, what belonged to her scriptures, wasn't in the New Testament. She was convinced it was in the New Testament. She did not realize that it was part of the Old Testament. One, uh, a Jewess, far more zealous than most of the nation but completely in the dark. Why? Because the spirit of blindness is upon them. But uh, this until, uh, and in Romans 11, verse 25, uh, I just quoted, it is in the uh, last column at the top, blindness in part, not totally, because Jews are being saved today, maybe not in large numbers, blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Uh, and so, uh, that's God's condemnation uh, upon the nation. He's allowed them to remain in the dark. Uh, despite the testimony uh, of many societies, such as SDHS and others, 
uh, to that people. But what about their confession? Uh, Israel's blindness is not going to last forever. Uh, and uh, uh, if we turn uh, onto the second side, uh, uh, we look at the, the third column, uh, Micah, for example, Micah uh, chapter 7, the last chapter of Micah. Uh, uh, and verse 7, it's Israel's confession in the day to come. Therefore I will look uh, unto the Lord. Uh, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Uh, and one day the nation will take upon themselves, or the godly remnant of Israel will confess the words of verse 9 of Micah 7. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Uh, underneath, uh, we have verses that uh, I quoted frequently, so as pastor, uh, Matthew 23, the Lord's words uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, uh, particularly verse 39, I say unto you, you shall not see me again, uh, <coughs> see me henceforth, until... He shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, and a passage that maybe we'll focus more on next week uh, in column 5, Hosea 5, uh, and verse 15. Uh, a remarkable verse. The Lord Jehovah is saying, I will go and return unto my place. In what sense did he go and return to his place? Jesus Christ. Uh, came and went to his place but he's the one spoken of here he came uh, to his own his own received him not I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offence and seek my face in their affliction they will seek me early and the next two verses follow straight on although they belong to Isaiah chapter 6 there will come a day when the godly remnant will say come and let us return to the Lord for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. That's a reference to the great tribulation. We started with Moses, and maybe uh, it's most appropriate to end with Moses. Uh, back to the first side, uh, and I quoted these verses in, in previous studies. Leviticus chapter 26, uh, where Moses uh, says to the nation, uh, because of their sin, verse 39, uh, they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of, your, of their fathers shall they pine away with them. But notice verse 40, if they shall confess their sin, uh, their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers, with their trespass, which they have trespassed against me, and if they confess that they have walked contrary unto me, and that I have walked also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart be humbled, and when they will, uh, thanks to the grace of God, and if they accept a punishment of their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember, 
and I will remember their land. One day Israel, the godly remnant, will humble itself. One day they will humble themselves to the extent that they will say of Jesus of Nazareth, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And when they confess their sin, uh, God will do for them what he's, he's done for us and what he says in John's first epistle. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in the matter of forgiveness, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is rich over all uh, and to them that call upon him. Uh, we sometimes quote the words and uh, uh, apply them to ourselves, but strictly as a matter of interpretation, they apply to Israel. Isaiah 65, I think it's verse 22. Before they call, I will answer. And while they, it's Israel in context, while they are yet speaking, I will hear. So you have Israel's corruption, uh, God's condemnation. Uh, they are blinded. Uh, but one day, uh, uh, we will have their confession. If you want more details on that confession, read the first six verses of Isaiah 64. We know one verse particularly well. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But the, the, the context of that is Israel's confession before the Lord that they are unworthy and undone. And when they take that, that position as a sinful people, God will lift them up and save them. And that's the same for any Gentile sinner that comes to the Lord as a broken, uh, filthy, dirty vessel. God will save and God will clean and God will restore. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew. As we've said on many times, we are always very fortunate when pastors away that uh, Andrew fills in, and not just filling in, but it fills us with uh, a great deal of learning. Thank you, Andrew. Well, at the moment now, we thank those online for their time with us. We trust you had a blessed time, and uh, we trust we'll see you again uh, on Sunday. And our services will be 11 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the evening. Thank you very much.